Hello, welcome back to the Barefoot Books podcast. This week, we're the classic Christmas tale of young Clara and the Nutcracker as they fight the evil Mouse King and travel to the land of sweets. After the story, follow the Sugar Plum Fairy to barefootbooks.com to find the complete Barefoot Ballet Stories collection. The Nutcracker, from the ballet by Peter Ilyich Tchaikovsky. The great fir tree stood in the front parlour. Beneath its spreading branches, presents lay in their festive wrappings. On every branch shone a candle and the flames were like the stars over Bethlehem. A band, hired especially for the occasion, sat in the hallway playing yuletide songs. It was Christmas Eve at Councillor Stahlbaum's. Everyone important in the city would be there to greet the councillor and his family. Hurry, Clara! Young Fritz Stahlbaum called, eager to check on the gifts, both the ones with his name attached and the others as well. His sister raced him into the parlour. They stood together before the giant tree, and Clara thought dreamily, What treasure! Could anything be as wonderful as Christmas? Just then, Grandpapa and Grandmama arrived, and behind them, jumping with excitement, more children with their parents. Presents! the boys cried, and the girls echoed them. Look at the presents! Come on, I'll show you! said Fritz. He pointed to the gift boxes, short ones with silver paper tied with bright red string, long ones wrapped in pink with gilt ribbons, fat ones and thin ones, and even a round gift that looked as if it might be a globe of the world. The children jostled around and clapped their hands. There were so many presents heaped under the tree. When will Papa give out the gifts? Fritz whispered to Clara. When he's ready... She gave him a little smile, and he spun away to play with the boys. Then Councillor Stahlbaum divided the children up. First a game, then a dance,' he called out. So there was a game of marching, then a lively dance, and even some of the grown-ups joined in, which made it stuffy, or so Fritz remarked to the boys. Whatever Clara thought about it, she kept to herself. Before anyone could catch their breath from all that dancing, Councillor Stahlbaum announced, Time for the presents! Hurrah! all the children shouted. There was something for everyone. It was, after all, Christmas Eve at the Stahlbaums. Soon the room was filled with the sounds of laughter and of wrapping paper being ripped open. A doll! cried one girl. A jeweled box! cried another. Tin soldiers! cried several of the boys. Just as the children were settling down to the serious task of playing with their new toys, the door opened. In walked the most extraordinary gentleman any of them had ever seen. Tall, bony and stooped, he was dressed in sombre black, 
with a black patch over one eye, like an ancient pirate. Herr Drosselmeyer, cried Clara, jumping up to greet her godfather. There was always something a bit enchanted about him. She knew that he was an inventor, but suspected sometimes that he was much more magical than that. Drosselmeyer gave her a quick kiss on the cheek, then introduced her to his nephew, a handsome boy just Clara's age. I call him my little prince, said Drosselmeyer. Clara looked at the boy shyly, but she liked him at once, and indeed he was as handsome as a prince. Welcome to our house, she said. He grinned at her and, with royal good manners, bowed as well. Herr Drosselmeyer signalled to a servant to bring in three large boxes, which he opened one by one. To the astonishment of all, they held three life-sized clockwork dolls, Harlequin and Columbine, who soon began to dance together, and then a toy soldier who marched stiff-legged around the room. More! More! the boys cried out, while the girls clapped their hands. But there was only one thing more. From the deep pocket of his greatcoat, Herr Drosselmeyer brought out a final gift. For Clara, he said with a flourish. For my goddaughter. The present was not even wrapped. A wooden nutcracker in the shape of a soldier with a long nose and a big mouth. Putting a walnut between the soldier's jaws, Herr Drosselmeyer showed Clara how to crack the nut open. Oh, godfather! Clara exclaimed, this is the most wonderful present I've ever received. She meant it too, and cradled the wooden nutcracker in her arms, showing it off to all the girls. Furious at not being the centre of attention, Fritz pushed through the circle of girls. Grabbing the nutcracker from his sister, he held it high above his head. Now it's mine, he shouted, and then smashed the nutcracker to the floor. Now it's nobody's! The nutcracker broke apart, top and bottom jaws in separate pieces. The big room was suddenly silent. Oh, no! Clara wept. Picking up the pieces, she held them out tearfully to Herr Drosselmeyer. Do not worry, child, he said, wiping her eyes with a large handkerchief, then bandaging the broken nutcracker with the same handkerchief, now wet with Clara's tears. He placed it tenderly in a doll's bed, which he set under the tree. The party was over. Fritz slept, as naughty boys often do, soundly and untroubled by bad dreams. But Clara tossed and turned in her bed and could not get to sleep. Finally she got up and tiptoed down the long, winding stairs in her white nightgown. She came into the parlour, where the candles on the tree had burned down more than halfway. Looking around, she found the nutcracker where Herr Drosselmeyer had left it, in the doll's bed. Taking it in her arms, she curled up on the sofa, and only then fell asleep. She didn't even wake when her mother came by, checking through the house one last time. "'Poor dear,' said Mrs. Stahlbaum, and covered Clara with her shawl. Christmas will be a brighter day. 
Then she blew out the lamps, but left the candles on the tree ablaze in case Clara should wake and need to find her way back up the stairs. The shimmering tree cast strange shadows in the room. The clock struck midnight, its loud chimes echoing in the room. Rubbing her eyes, Clara awoke. She sat up and looked about. What's that? Clara thought she saw something in the shadows. Her godfather in his greatcoat, fixing the nutcracker with a screwdriver. When had he taken the wooden doll from her arms? It was a puzzle. Herr Drosselmeyer finished whatever work he was doing, set the nutcracker down in the doll's bed. Then, without glancing over at Clara, he left the room. And what was that? Little scurrying figures hurried across the floor. Clara could not make out what they were or how many. And that? Something odd was happening to the Christmas tree. It began to grow, rising higher and higher until the tin star at its top poked through the ceiling. Clara felt small and big at the same time. She felt as if the world were suddenly filled with magic. Suddenly there was a noise behind her, and Clara turned. She spotted a gigantic mouse, taller than she was, with a golden crown on its head, nestled between its ears. Clara hurried to get away, hiding behind a long curtain at the window. As she watched, a dozen or more huge mice scurried into view. Clara trembled at the sight of them, and the curtain began to shake. No, the heavy curtain was already being shaken by a strange wind that had come blowing through the room, even though the windows were shut tight against the cold. An eerie and mysterious light filled the room. Then the toy soldiers under the tree began to stand up one at a time, magically coming to life. Most astonishing of all, the nutcracker was alive as well, sitting up in his little doll's bed and looking around, his long nose twitching, his black eyes bright. How curious, Clara whispered to herself, suddenly calm again, as though the nutcracker's presence had given her courage. All of a sudden, the mice gathered themselves together under the leadership of the fierce Mouse King. Charge! they yelled and rushed at the toy soldiers. Nutcracker leapt up from the bed. Soldiers! To me! To me! he cried. The tin soldiers gathered quickly by his side and drew their toy swords. Fighting valiantly, they tried to stem the onrush of the mice, but outnumbered and outweighed, they slowly but surely were defeated. Soon only Nutcracker was left standing, fighting the Mouse King himself with quick thrusts of his sword. But the Mouse King was faster, heavier, meaner. He cornered Nutcracker and rubbed his paws together with a gleeful malice, poised to move in for the kill. Oh no, Clara thought, I have to do something. But she had no sword, no gun, no weapon. Then suddenly she remembered what Cook did whenever she saw a mouse. Bending over, Clara took off her slipper and standing up again, took careful aim and threw it at the Mouse King's back. The slipper hit the Mouse King with a dull thud. He turned to see what had smacked him, and as he did, Nutcracker dealt him a mortal blow. The Mouse King fell to the ground and expired.
his whiskers twitching. With their leader gone, the rest of the mice fled, squealing back to their hidey-holes. Clara hurried over to where Nutcracker stood, bent over from exhaustion. When he stood up and turned around to thank her, what a surprise! Gone was the strange Nutcracker head with its long nose and big mouth. Instead, there was a handsome prince smiling at her, the very image of Herr Drosselmeyer's nephew. He bowed. You have saved us all, fair one, he said. Then, holding out the Mouse King's crown, he added, Come with me to the land of sweets, where we will be well rewarded. Clara placed the crown upon her head and followed him, a slipper on one foot, the other foot bare, out through the trees and the dancing snowflakes. She never even felt the cold. The news of the Mouse King's defeat had already spread. The Christmas tree had told the dried grass outside Councillor Stahlbaum's house, and the blades of grass, being great gossips, had told the reeds by the river's edge. And the reeds, never known for their silence, had whispered the story to the little whitecaps in the river. All the fairies gathered by the chocolate river heard what had happened, but they could scarcely credit it. After all, the Mouse King and his soldiers had plagued them for as long as they could remember. Led by the lovely Sugar Plum Fairy, they chattered nervously. Is it true? Can it be real? We will know everything soon enough, the Sugar Plum Fairy told them, holding up her hand for silence. For soon the Prince and Clara will arrive. I have sent our walnut shell boat for them. Will they be fierce? the fairies asked. Of course they will be fierce, the Sugar Plum Fairy said. After all, they have slain the dreaded Mouse King. Then someone called out, The boat! And they hurried to greet it. The little walnut shell boat rowed itself right up to the shore where pebbles as colourful as boiled sweets were strewn about. The prince got out first and then lifted Clara ashore so that her one slipper would not get wet. Not fierce at all, the fairies remarked to one another, both relieved and delighted. Welcome to our kingdom, said the sugar plum fairy, bowing low to Clara and the prince. We have heard the news that has come down the river, but we want to hear the story of what happened directly from you. The prince smiled and bowed back. Then he told the story about the nutcracker, the mice, the tall tree, and how Clara had saved him by throwing her slipper at the Mouse King. How brave! the fairies exclaimed, sounding even more delighted. They spun about and clapped and looked a little tipsy with the excitement. Clara stood by the river bank, blushing with pleasure, her cheeks as bright as cherry candies. Then the sugar plum fairy led Clara and the prince to a beautiful palace and into the great hall where a tall table was piled high with sweets. Across the room was a golden throne encrusted with jewels. Sit here, eat what you will, and let us entertain you, she told them. It is to show our thanks to you for having destroyed the terrible Mouse King, who delighted in gobbling up all our sweets. So Clara and the prince climbed up to the tall throne, and Clara realised that the jewels were not jewels at all, but brightly coloured candied fruit. 
She waited until the prince found her a cup of tea that was both sweet and warming. Then the fairies all began to dance. Hot chocolate and coffee and tea spun about together. Then came candy canes and marzipan and even Mother Ginger with her wide skirts under which little punchinellos lurked. After the sweets had finished dancing, the flowers themselves were drawn into a waltz, their petals brightly whirling about until all the colours blurred together. Clara yawned. It had been a long, tiring night. She ate another chocolate and licked her fingers, just as the sugar-plum fairy danced a beautiful pas de deux with her cavalier. Clapping her hands, Clara turned to the young prince. It's like a dream, she said. Only better. Much better, he agreed. Clara yawned again, her hand over her mouth. Then the sugar-plum fairy came over and took both Clara and the prince by the hand. Time to go home, she said, leading them out of the hall. In front of the palace stood a bright red sleigh heaped high with soft blankets and pillows. Hitched to the sleigh were a dozen reindeer, all snorting and eager to be away. The prince helped Clara in, tucking a blanket around her. Then he settled in himself. Goodbye! 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 cried the flowers and sweets, Mother Ginger and the Sugar Plum Fairy. Good! Clara began, as the sleigh rose into the air. But before she could even finish the word, the movement of the sleigh had rocked her fast asleep. And when she awoke, was it on the sofa in the parlour of her own home, the little nutcracker clutched safely in her arms? That is how the story ends, if you think it was all a dream. But Clara didn't believe that, nor did the prince. And certainly the fairies from the land of sweets knew better. That's all for today's episode. Thanks for listening. Now you can visit barefootbooks.com slash podcast to find special offers, join our email list, and listen to past episodes of the Barefoot Books podcast. See you next week. Bye.